Hi everybody and welcome back to The Literacy Squad, a podcast for teachers where we tackle educators' questions on all things literacy. My name's Mark Nichols, and I'm the head of UK for Literacy Planet. Are you trying to find ways to assess your students in an encouraging and confidence-building environment? A lack of confidence can creep into some students' mindsets when standardised testing becomes challenging or if they feel they're being assessed all the time. As teachers, we want to build confidence and a sense of achievement for students to reach learning outcomes. The answer is practice. In today's episode, Literacy Planet's Annalise Mitchell and Kylie Delavalle will describe how you can achieve this and break down some of their strategies on this. Annalise is a literacy specialist who's worked as a high school English teacher for over 10 years and has trained beginner teachers in literacy from early childhood to high school level for six years. Her co-presenter Kylie is a literacy specialist who has worked as a K-2 teacher for over 18 years and was an assistant principal for 14 of those years. Grab a cup of tea and enjoy. Welcome to the Literacy Squad. My name's Annalise and I'm here with Kylie. Hi Kylie. Hi Annalise. How are you going? I'm really well. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, our listeners have asked, how can I assess student growth without discouraging them? Oh, yeah. And this one I've thought about quite a lot. It's something that, um, particularly in the upper years, and I'm not sure how much this applies to younger children, but as they progress throughout the years um, in schooling, there's some national standardised tests that they... Mm. Um, need to complete and they can start to lack confidence if they find that the test um, too challenging or um, the test environment too formal and it's as a teacher it's something that you really want to build their confidence in and and you don't want to make them feel that they're constantly being assessed or that that they're not meeting the mark or that they're not performing um, like they should is this something that you found in the earlier years or is it not so much of an issue Uh, I wouldn't say it's so much of an issue, but I can definitely relate to everything that you were saying. It all makes complete sense. And what lucky students to have you switched on to their needs in that way. But as a young years teacher, definitely don't want students to feel like they're being assessed all the time and that they're not achieving. You definitely want to be building their confidence and want them to feel proud of their achievements and to keep going. So I relate to what you're saying, um, but really interested to hear how you tackle that for older students. Well, to become more confident and to feel um, less intimidated about what what you're completing is um, practice. Absolutely. Yeah, this is something as a teacher that I was really aware of. Whenever I would see them lacking confidence or, or that I could see that they're feeling some intrepidation or that they're unhappy about their results or their performance, I would give them so many opportunities to practice. And I would do it in a whole variety of ways so that they um, were constantly, they were engaged in the types of activities that they would encounter in an assessment, but they didn't know that. Yes, that that makes perfect sense because sometimes it can just be the way that the assessment is actually structured that can throw a student completely even if they do know the content well oh absolutely yeah and so I would never like I would never get the students like you know separating their desks and completing a very you know dry um standardized test format um in in front of them because then that would even provoke even more trepidation about the um being assessed so I would give them a whole variety of activities using multiple choice questions, uh, yes. but in a fun way. So often using things that they like to, to learn about or um, um, really relating it to issues or things that they're, they're thinking about. They can do it in the online format or do it like in worksheets. 
um, mm. and you know putting colorful images or they even get them to swap their results yes. with, it, with their peers so they can uh, mark each other's work. I would also give them um, short answer questions that they could practice answering questions. Um, I'd even give them like a template, like an example of a question, of an answer to a question so they could mm-hmm. compare their answer. And I, I did that one a lot. I would give them often an example of, hey, this is how you, you could possibly answer this question. And so they would get heaps and heaps of experience of, oh, this is, you know, when you're, when you're asked this type of question, whatever it is, um, this is how you could potentially answer it. They could even use that example to self-mark the, 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 their response to the question. So that one I found was a really good strategy of increasing their confidence and even increasing their understanding of what is what is required um, yes. for answering a question. That's exactly um, what I've been thinking the whole time that you've been speaking. It just sounds like, oh, your students really knew what was expected of them and you took all the mystery out of the assessment format because they'd seen that particular structure of question so many times before they came to an assessment that they'd be just relaxed and feel natural in completing that style of question. And I really loved the way that you said that you provided them with a model of the answer. I don't think anybody, even right through university, provided me with a model of what was expected. You just got, here's the question, you do it, we'll give you a mark very little feedback and no way to actually see how to improve your answer for next time. Yeah, it's the most powerful strategy and something that I really felt like I was lacking. So when I was like like, like, um, in the university setting, I would often think that why aren't they providing us with models, with examples? (laughs) And kids would often say, Miss, I don't know, Um, you know, in my early years of teaching, they'd be like, I'm not sure how to write or I'm particularly if you're teaching um, like very complex topics yes you know to give them experience of actually seeing how someone would actually write about that topic then they'll go oh I I understand now and and then you'd give it in a variety of ways as well so that they're not just looking at one because I find if you if you just rely on one they all tend to write like that yeah yeah and you don't want everyone to sound the same you want to give them that you know, the ability to be dynamic in their writing and in, in the way they, even in the way that they express themselves. And that's another thing with um, providing for multiple assessment types is giving them like other tools other than just writing. So there's a lot yes. of, um, yeah, online programs that, where they can draw diagrams or use graphic organizers. And there's so many beautiful ones now. I wish they were available, you know, 10 years ago. Um, yeah. They're just so friendly to use and um, children and students can use them to um, organize their ideas or even just writing dot points about what they're thinking and that can help you know with their understanding but also give you an understanding of where they're at yes yeah. even helps you with understanding how they're performing so it's giving you that um, formative assessment that you can complete yes. to um, evaluate their learning also fillable charts with dot points you know tables giving them the ability yes. to just answer a question um, using dot points. They love that. And another one, and some students don't mind this, but not all. This is a, this is this one is a really uh, depending on, on the student, but giving them the ability to record so they can actually say their answer out aloud because some students are a lot yes. better than, at speaking. Yes. Yeah. Some, some of my students are the best speakers, but not when it came to writing. I'm the opposite. I'd prefer to 
compose an answer so that I've got time to go back and read over it rather than to give one verbally. So that wouldn't work for me, but I can definitely think of students who would have loved and would thrive in that sort of an environment. Yes, yes. And, and I, I found this with my, um, my brother. This is a personal example. He can speak two languages fluently and is very, very articulate. But when it comes to writing, no, he's not happy yes. to do that. And, and I find that understanding that about your students and giving them the options because you've got all different personalities in your class and different natures and it's good to give them variety of assessments so that they feel like oh that they can actually do what where where they're they're most happy where they can actually shine rather than being forced into a particular box and this is no this is how you're going to perform that just sounds so fantastic to me and makes it feel like completing an assessment is less of a chore you know sometimes you've probably received them yourself at university level where you get 150 multiple choice questions and there's no other variety but sounds like you've provided so many different varieties so every student's going to find one way that they can comfortably show what they know just sounds amazing I love it yeah And, and this is something that yeah over time you start to notice more and more and as you build your resources and your capabilities you, you just become more and more in tune. What else I like about that is the variety of marking for teachers as well. So you're not getting bogged down in in, um, marking so many short answer questions or long answer questions. You can see what the student knows many times with very simple marking strategies. So that that actually sounds good for everyone. Yeah, it really, really is. It's a very rich, um, because yeah, you you learn as much from your students' answers as, you know, um, as teaching. And it's a reciprocal process where you you very much benefit um in a, you 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 learn so much in the, through through those variety of strategies yeah so, that sounds great i love what you've been doing i often got this feedback from students as the years go by and, and even students that i speak to today that i i was their teacher for many years i'd say to me miss you you never you never you made everyone feel equal oh that's so nice yeah and i did i didn't have favorites and i really and I, you know I, there were students obviously that I would talk to more because they were more vocal, but I really, yeah. really treated everyone with the dignity and respect that they deserve. And I, whatever reading level or learning level that they're at, I, I would never show um, any difference in um, the way that I would interact with them or I would, I would never let on any differences in the strategies that I was using so that other students yeah. wouldn't even have any idea that that yes. was happening. So if there's any modifications that needed to be made, they wouldn't feel as if they're being specifically targeted. Oh, that's awesome. And Sounds this so is something cool. that, yeah, uh, you find in the literature that they often talk about is that um, children, the most um, daunting thing they find is if they feel that they're not learning as well. Yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And that's where they really, really start to withdraw and they don't want to learn. And, and that's where you get, you know, even behaviour issues because they yes. start to feel like, okay, I'm not doing as well as others. So I'm going to, you know, muck up and try to distract from where I'm not feeling good about myself or that type of thing. Another thing that, um, yeah, that we've touched on a bit is um, just ensuring that we give multiple opportunities to practice. So they've done so many multiple choice that when they go to do a standardised test, they're used to it. It's nothing new to them. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, you know, this is is easy. And um, they find that even the, the question types, that they're engaging with the multiple choice, that they're, that they're used to that type of question. They go, oh, I've done this before, I understand it. And they, they just feel like it's a natural process. They don't feel like they're being 
completely alien to them or, you know. Yeah, and then they can actually think about what the question's asking rather than trying to navigate how to answer the question. That's right, yeah. And I found that my students would often say that to me, that even on the really high-stakes ones or the ones that, you know, emphasise as high-stakes, um, they would say that they really felt prepared. And that, that was something that um, as the years would go by, you know, you'd, you'd gouge your own teaching. You'd go, oh, you know, it's working. It's, yes. And this is your, t- your students will be the ones that will give you the best insights into, um, <laughs> you know, how you're going. And, uh, and that's, what makes it so, that's what makes it so rewarding too is when you get that positive reinforcement back from your students that they like what you're doing, that they're learning, that they're comfortable, that they're happy. That's the best feedback you can get as a teacher. Yeah, absolutely. And um, another thing that, um, so practice is definitely key. Um, But one of the things I found, uh, and I didn't use this strategy right away, but um, I started to see it being promoted within the literature on developing their literacy ability, particularly if they are several years below their year level, is um, giving them the opportunity to like self-assess. So giving them little rubrics that were really, really clearly written in a way that they can understand what they are looking for in their writing or whatever they're being, um, they're they're actually completed and giving them the opportunity to to rate it, to say, hey, what what did you, how do you think you went? And not saying, hey, you know, um, five is brilliant and zero or one is, you know, terrible, but saying, you know, actually using the, the number to signify the what's actually being written about so it's not just oh you know it's brilliant and it's not good no uh, five might indicate that you know you've you've included these features in your writing did you find or if if that was something then that students shared with you did you find that their self-assessments were accurate they weren't just sort of going oh well I can't write so I'm going to give myself a one it was definitely a working progress. Like I sometimes find students like, you know, you've got all, st- uh, at, at the beginning, um, as, at, when I first started doing it, they would overly, overly rate themselves or underrate themselves. Yeah. And it was something that I had to really provide training in. Yes. Say, hey, and even like giving, giving my own example, like saying, you know, here's something I've written up and actually writing it with my classroom. So in the moment, like improvising, saying, hey, let, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tackle this question now and show them how I would tackle it. Oh, and that's then so good. let's see what we're going to rate it. And have I done it? And sometimes I wouldn't hit the mark. I'll go four out of five because I miss these things. Yes. And So more of it, like more of a structural, like I, I missed uh, introduction or something like that. And you'd yes. be basing it on what you did or didn't do rather than how they feel about writing, for yeah. example. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because um, if if it if it's based on how they feel, then yeah, they're not going to give an accurate um, representation of what they've actually written, and they're not going to yes. learn from yes. you know. And what you're really wanting to do is is use a self assessment as a learning tool that uh, propels them to continue with the task and to even want to complete other ones. The final one that I really um, thought about was something that is becoming more popular now in the lit- reading literature is the importance of uh, students uh, being involved in the goal-setting process. Oh, yes. Yeah, so it's not only, you know, okay, we're going to be completing this task, but what is it we actually want to achieve? And um, and often are tying that achievement to what it is where, you know, the, the, the curriculum outcomes. 
so they can yes. understand oh this is what we're needing to do and use it and and writing it in a language where they really understand oh okay my task here is to write a paragraph of descriptive language that makes the world sound more colorful yeah and that and just using that word those really meaningful words that make you know because they're going to go oh well what makes the world sound more colorful right i've got to use language that gets the reader ability to ignite their imagination and that type of thing so they really they really get to understand what it is they're trying to do and and Sounds yeah. almost like it's giving more purpose as well if they know what's the outcome, why are we actually completing this piece of work? Well, it's in order to achieve this particular thing. Yeah, yeah. We even do that with the little ones as well. Some people will have up posters to say, this is what we're learning today or this is what we're learning this week. So even at five years of age, students are honing in on what it is that they're actually learning about and the reason for learning that. Yes, yes, exactly. And there's some topics that, you know, teachers will often say, and, and, and I, I remember thinking this a lot to myself, it's like it might be quite a dry topic, and, you, and particularly in the upper years when they become a, yeah. like a lot more serious type assessments. Um, it might yeah. be a media analysis of some kind of very controversial documentary. But what you do is you end up relating the things in that documentary to their real world so that they can start to understand, oh, what is it, you know, that the documentary is trying to get you to see the world in a particular way. You use that kind of language. Yes. And then when they see that, they go, oh, it's like a commercial. You know, a commercial is doing the same thing. Or, you know, um, the news media are doing the same thing. So, and by doing that, um, relating it to their real world, the, the goal becomes a lot more purposeful, meaningful to themselves. Yeah. Oh, I yes. need to know this. Yes. Um, rather than, oh, we're just doing it because we want me to write better paragraphs. Um, yes, or, they can see the reason for it. Yes, yeah. And that's really um, one of the things that I'm noticing a lot more uh, that's being talked about is getting them to set their own goals and uh, and you collaborating, you know, with them to make something very meaningful. To, to work towards and yeah. I imagine that students are actually pretty clued up on what it is that they are excelling in and the areas that they need a bit more support in so that they can create realistic goals that you as a teacher probably would have set for them if you were writing them on your own yes that's right and then exactly when, when it comes to those goal goals you having that conversation with them and saying you know what areas would you like to develop what do you think and Sometimes they might not, not, not have any thoughts because this is sometimes you'll find with some students, particularly if they are finding that they're not, they're not as engaged in the subject or in, in yeah. the topic, uh, is, you know, coming up with ideas and, um, you know, igniting their interest through their own personal experience. That's something that you'll get better with over time as you get to know them as well. Yes. And as part of that process, is there a time where you would go back with the students and look at the goals and assess them to see if they have achieved them and then maybe set some new goals all the time yeah that 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 was um so once they've done the initial preparation of what what goals they want to achieve then it's um after the assessment's completed we go back and we even do a reflection so i'll I'll give them a, a sheet of paper that will get them to reflect on uh whether they thought they did and what they would do next time and i would even do my own as well model that 
Yes. Uh, and point out things that I would like to improve and that type of thing so they can actually see that it was a meaningful, constructive process. Yeah, and they can relate and even give me feedback, which they often did. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, that just sounds like such a great individualised approach to learning and assessment as well so that it's actually less daunting and more meaningful for students and hopefully that makes them feel more confident, less discouraged in the process. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. It's doing all these different um, strategies uh, and then none of them are better than the other. They're just um, being mindful of them and incorporating them as part of your toolkit will help them become more confident and, you know, they will uh, even, no matter how much they 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 think that they don't want to learn or that, that you know, that they that they are not good at that particular subject, they can develop those skills and that, that will pick up their confidence and over time. So let, let's brush, um, go over those uh, strategies again. Uh, so the first one was to, yeah, provide multiple assessment types that, that gives them the opportunity to practice the um, types of assessments that they're going to experience. Uh, second one is, yeah, not letting on that, that you have modified their assessment, that you've, you know, given them a different type of comprehension, sorry, different type of worksheet, that type of thing. Thirdly, um, yeah, uh, multiple opportunities to practice, so making sure that they've got uh, practice, practice, practice. This is really what, what is key. And fourthly, to give them some type of opportunity to self-assess where they can evaluate their own performance and see how they're working towards a specific outcome. And yeah, which leads into that final one, which is the ability to set their own goals and you working with them to make those goals really meaningful so that they, they want to work towards them. Oh, they're all excellent strategies, Annalise. I love them. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you for joining me, Kylie, uh, and discussing what uh, we can do to help boost students' confidence not only um, with assessment, but just generally in that particular topic or subject area. To help our listeners get the most out of the Literacy Squad podcast, we'll include our show notes in the podcast notes. Thank you for listening. And if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer, please send them to podcast at literacyplanet.com and we'll speak with you next time. Bye for now. Well, practice, practice, practice is the key takeaway for me here. How can we expect our students to know what to do if they aren't shown the way? Let's take the mystery out of the testing environment. Plus, there's variety in the work for teachers too. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Literacy Squad. As always, drop us an email with your own insights, questions or suggested new topics for our team to tackle. You'll get the team at podcast at literacyplanet.com. Annalise in particular mentions many strategies in this episode and we'll add show notes for you to read over for more information. Until next time, Literacy Squad signing out.